As soon as you arise each day, you'll have a choice to make. The choices that you make today will take you toward or away from your divine destiny. Remember this. Choices are life-changing and everlasting. I want to talk to you for a little bit tonight from this subject. Your choice, your destiny. Your choice, your destiny. Now, I'll give you some scripture in a little bit because, you know, we got to keep everything just like we have to keep everything. But let me start out by saying that what I'm going to say tonight is not directed at everyone. There are so many who are doing a fine job following God and His plan for their lives. You're making choices that are in alignment with the Word of God and you're moving toward your divine destiny. There are those that are obedient and submitted to the Word of God. However, many are not. In chapter 32, the Bible tells us a very familiar passage of Scripture of Moses that comes down from the Mount of Sinai, having just received the Ten Commandments from the Lord, he descended from the mountain, having been away from, from the people for 40 days and 40 nights. And the scripture lets us understand that as Moses heard the sounds of sin in the camp, Joshua thought it was a sound of war. But Moses had already been informed by God that the people had slipped into sin while he was gone. I, I want to just reach into this congregation because there has been a shift in this church of late and I am convinced that God is moving this church toward our divine destiny. A few days ago, I told you that God was moving us from the brink of destruction to the brink of distinction. God is about to raise this church up as a mighty vessel of revival and righteousness in this last day in our area. But I want you to understand that that is all, that all has to do with the choices that you and me make.
when Moses gets to the camp, he immediately goes to the man who's supposed to be in charge. Aaron, the high priest. Here is the supposed man of God in the middle of anarchy. Not just observing, but participating. Just stay with me. I'll I'll, I'll get to my scripture in a little bit. Don't get nervous. Participating in the rebellion to God. Moses looks at the situation. He looks it over and then he poses the question. Who's on the Lord's side and it's at that moment that choice meets destiny and whatever happens in the next little while will determine the destiny of the people of God it will be life changing and it will be everlasting Please make no mistake about it tonight. The life that you and I are living and leading is not something that we do as just a ritual in our lives or to say that we're just a little better than the drunk or the drug addict or any kind of sin that you might enumerate because we come to the house of God And we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want you to understand that our walk with God and our relationship with God is far deeper than that. It's more than just a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night experience. But the choices and decisions that we make on a daily basis will determine our divine destiny individually and collectively as the body of Christ. From the pulpit to the pew, decisions and choices must be made that deal with the eternal. Those who chose the Lord were saved. Those who chose otherwise by word, watch me now, or silence. Found themselves being dealt with harshly. Can I tell this church tonight? You can no longer be silent. You can no longer hide in the shadows of the rest of the body of Christ. But God is calling this church to a divine destiny. And we must choose to be a part of where God is leading us. And we cannot do it silently. But we must arise and be identified 
unashamedly and unabashedly, I am one of them. I think this is an appropriate scenario that I can discuss with you this evening. Seeing that we're finding ourselves faced with a very similar situation. Many of our church leaders are failing in their responsibilities to tell the body of Christ what the Word of God says on issues that we're facing in the world in which we live in. All you have to do is to see that we live in a world that's losing its perspective on the difference between right and wrong is to read a newspaper or watch the news, which I do not recommend. What, preacher, why would you say that? I'm telling you, if they're talking, they're lying. Listen to me. If they're talking, they're fashioning an agenda, and it is not a divine agenda. I know it's Sunday night. In today's society, it's hard to find any absolutes regarding morality anymore. Scripture pertaining to the last days are coming to pass right before us. Issues that are plainly labeled as sin and even abominations to God are being accepted by society and by many in the church. We're seeing children turning on their parents and parents turning on their children. Murders and thieveries are being justified in increasing numbers. Why now, we're even inviting them in the country. Say, well, they don't have anything. I heard crickets. Say, they don't have anything to do with me. Tell that to the folks that live on the border of this country that rapists and murders and drug dealers are walking across the borders into their neighborhoods. And don't you, don't you for one minute think they're not going to get to you and me and we better make up our mind to make the right choices because our divine destiny might get here sooner than we planned. Everybody all right? We're seeing homosexuality running rampant. Gay marriage 
homosexuals adopting children, gays running for elective office, unashamed. And even brashly defiant are the issues that we face today. Men and women in positions of authority and trust are betraying their responsibilities they have to the people who are looking to them for leadership and protection and justice. And while all this and more is going on, Pastors, evangelists, teachers, prophets, and apostles are siding with the dangerous trend to make perversion and sin acceptable. Please hear me right now. I want you to understand something. I may be in the small crowd, but I'm telling you that I refuse to be silent I refuse to come down off the wall. Come on. I believe there's got to be a church that rises up and makes a choice that we've got to declare to the world that it's not acceptable. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. It's time to make a decision. You can't straddle the fence on this. Are you on the Lord's side or not? Listen. Our authority on all matters, spiritual and moral... Hand me that book right there beside you, Brother Elvis. I'd hold my iPad up, but that won't mean anything to you. (laughs) Our decisions, our authority on all matters, spiritual and moral, is right here. You don't have to look any further than this. If you want to know what the agenda of the Almighty God is and what the purpose of the church is, it's right here in this book. And if it's acceptable here, it's acceptable here. But if God says it's sin, it's an abomination. It's sin. And an abomination, or it should be your choice, your destiny. I'm going to get to the scripture in a minute. The very word Bible has become synonymous to be a book of authority on a subject. An authority that is indisputable. The final highest level of truth on the topic at hand is right here in this book. I know the world says 
There's no absolute. But I'm telling you, this book says something different. Your choice, your destiny, you make up your mind. If you're going to let the world make the rules and you abide by their rules and their law, or you pick up this book and make the choice to read it, study it, and make it a part of who you are, it will determine your destiny. When it comes to moral issues, we in the Christian world have looked to the Bible for answers. What's happened? Why are we letting the world tell us what's right and what's wrong? We are the ones who are supposed to be telling the world what's right and what's wrong. Some of you are still waiting on the scripture, aren't you? But instead, I, I, I was listening to Pastor right after I finished preaching this morning. He took the pulpit in Louisiana. I was listening to him, and he was telling the church about how all he's ever wanted to do in his life was be a preacher. He started preaching as a boy, just a young boy. He said, but I never wanted to be a preacher with holy jeans and a Hawaiian shirt sitting on a stool drinking a cup of coffee. I'm trying to tell somebody we have to quit letting the world, church world, and the world set the rules. Say, well, now what's wrong with holy jeans and an Hawaiian shirt, sipping a cup of coffee, sitting on a stool? Nothing at Starbucks. But we shift gears. When we come into the presence of the Lord, there's nothing common about Him. There's not anything about Him that's like the world, looks like the world, talks like the world. You say, Bishop, you're just too dogmatic. I'm telling you, I'm in the world. The the word, the Bible said that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Your choice, your destiny. But as for me and my house... We choose to love God. We choose to walk after the Word of God. We get criticized for calling sin what it is. Well, I say this. Let the criticism come. 
I'd rather be criticized by the world than judged by God. How can I say I love you, that I care about you, and fail to correct you when I see you headed for disaster? Jesus came to confront the status quo of his day because the Pharisees were leading the revolt and taking the people with them. Listen, let me explain something to you right here. You want to know why pastors... Not all pastors, but you want to know why some pastors and ministry want to look like the world and go where the world goes and talk like the world? You want to know why? Because they want to do it. Well, it's Sunday night. Men and women of God, I'm talking directly to you right now. Like the children of Israel. Have the people slipped into sin? Or have we made our choice according to our destiny? I'm going to say this again. Because I believe it. There are some people in the church that think that somehow we need to take a neutral Approach to what's going on in the world. And let me just tell you, your silence is acceptance. Well, I don't want things to think folks to think I'm judgmental. Okay, you just sit there and let them go to hell. Because the Bible gives you and I the authority to judge with a righteous judgment. I want you to realize something. You do no one any favors by not telling them of their sin and letting them die and go to hell. Well, what if they don't change? What if they do? Maybe God's been dealing with them and working on them. And they've been asking God, God, would you please send me somebody by to give me direction, somebody to help me. And God directs you there. Come on, somebody. you got to help me right here. Your choice, their destiny. If you keep silent and refuse to stand, it may just be that they'll be lost. You angry, Bishop? No. I just want you to hear me. Like the children of Israel, we can not, not be confrontational. See, because some of you get nervous right now, you're wiggling in your seat because I'm about to ask something of you. You see, You can't skirt the issues and avoid dealing with the problems that the world is facing. I love this quote. It's in your moments of decision. 
that your destiny is shaped. Destiny is no matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. Albert Einstein said, We all dance to a mysterious tune intoned in the distance by an invisible piper. The acts of this life are the destiny of the next. Destiny has a specific purpose. You and I were created in Christ for a specific purpose. Israel was on the brink of destruction. Mordecai was about to be hanged on the gallows. And he goes to Esther and he says to Esther, because she's been seeking God... Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Listen, your bishop rises on this Sunday morning to tell, or Sunday evening to tell you unreservedly, you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Your destiny was the 21st century. Come on, somebody. God has saved you. God has kept you. And God is counting on you to make the choice that will determine our destiny. Jeremiah said before... I formed thee in the belly. I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Listen, I, I, I may get in a little trouble here, but it's all right. God knows my heart. Listen, you were preordained for this moment. Listen to me here. You were pre, God put it in His plan for you to be right where you are. The only thing that can mess that up is for you to decide not to carry out the plan of God in your life. And I know that there's some that would like for us to be the pulpit police that walk around and make sure you're doing everything that you need to do. But that's not the will of God neither. I want you to understand, it's your choice. It's your destiny. If you want to have revival, you'll make a choice to pray. You'll make a choice to fast. Come on. If you want to see souls saved, you'll make a choice to witness. You'll make a choice to sit down and do a Bible study. Come on. If you want to have a worshiping church, you'll make a choice to worship even when nobody else is worshiping because our choices determine our destiny. Come on, somebody praise Him with me right now. 
Watch what you can be seated. Watch what Paul says. He writes to the Ephesians in 2 and 10, and this is what he says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I want you to look at that. For we are his workmanship. Who's his? We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Your original destiny. What's to be created in the work for the work of Jesus Christ? Now what you've done from there is your choice. But whatever choice you've made will determine your destiny. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Christ died for each of us. Knowing, knowing, knowing our shortcomings. Knowing our failures. Knowing our insecurities. Knowing our inabilities. Watch what he said. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You were originally created in the image of God. Watch. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Watch what it says. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You are created for God's use and you're saved only because of His grace. And if you choose to walk outside of that grace, then you choose to be unprotected by His hand. Everybody say destiny. 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 Destiny is God's plan and purpose for each of us. Jeremiah said it, for I know the thoughts 
that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Watch me right here. Destiny is God's enablement to get you to an expected end. Wait a minute. Destiny is God's enablement to get you to an expected end. But He can't get you there unless you make the right choice. I'm talking to some church folk here tonight. I'm talking to some apostolic folk here tonight. Listen, we cannot afford, we cannot afford to get lazy right now. We cannot afford to fall asleep right now. We cannot afford to become uncaring right now. Because it's our choosing to do those things that will dictate not only our destiny, but the destiny of everybody that walks through those doors on a weekly basis. Somebody's got to rise up and make up your mind. I'm going to be a part of the apostolic church. I still believe you got to repent of your sins. I still believe you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. I still believe you got to receive the Holy Ghost because the Bible still says, except a man be born again of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. And I choose to follow that word because it is my eternal destiny that is at stake. Somebody praise Him for the apostolic movement. You can be seated. What do I do, Bishop? What do I do? Thanks for asking. This is what the Bible says to do. Everybody say the book matters. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Whether you realize it or not, you are a history maker. They quit writing over there in Acts 28. They quit writing. But look at it. Look at the end of the chapter. All the way down to the end of the chapter. It doesn't say amen. You want to know why? Because your choice determines the destiny of the apostolic church. He's still writing and you're still writing. Your choice, your choice will determine the destiny. 
destiny of a 21st century church. We cannot fall and sit idly by and not keep declaring this message to a world that's lost without Him. You're making that history with every breath that you take and every choice that you make. Someone as well said, there are three kinds of people in the world. Those who make it happen, those who watch it happen, and those who wonder what happened. Why don't you be one of those? That grabs the horns of the altar and make it happen. Let, let, let me say it again. Why don't you be one of those that grabs hold of the horns of the altar and stay there until it happens? I don't want to be. I don't want to be a thing of the past. I don't want this church to be a thing of the past. There's too many of us in this building that's got too much investment in prayer and fasting and preaching and teaching and loving and caring. You're who I'm talking about. You gotta make a choice because God's wanting to use you for divine destiny. Let me hurry. Joshua stood before the people of God, 24 and 15 of Joshua, and he said this And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you. This day, whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've talked to you about destiny. Let me talk to you about the power of choice for just a moment here. The sheer, raw power that resides in the choices that we make. Look at Adam and Eve. Their choices propelled them from the free form flow of God's presence and fellowship into something entirely different and eminently less desirable. You've heard my son talk to you and tell you. He tells stories about me sometimes that I'm not so sure that's right. <laughs> but this one's right. I preached a message for many years called a flaming reminder. And outside of that garden that God created and made the perfect scenario, every day now Adam and Eve walk with their boys by that garden. And at 
that east end of that garden is a cherubim flaming sword. A reminder because of their choice they have changed their destiny. And that little boy looks up at his daddy and says, but daddy, why can't we go in there? Please, mom and dad, don't make your babies look up at you one day and ask you, why don't we go to the house of God anymore? Why don't we worship God anymore? Why don't you live for God anymore? We've got to start making choices. We've got to start making choices that determine our divine destiny and the destiny of our children. And so, the power of choice. I'm not talking about the choice. Listen to me right here. I'm not talking about the choice that they made at the tree that day. First, Eve shrouded in the cloud of deception from the serpent's words. She takes her first tentative bites. And then Adam with eyes wide open. Do you hear what I said? With eyes wide open. And the words of God's divine edict concerning the tree and its fruit resounding in his ears took the fruit from Eve. Listen. Adam had some more ribs left. Some of y'all got it. If God made a woman out of a rib one time, He could have made a woman out of the rib another time. I'm not throwing off on ladies. Don't get mad at me right here. I just want you to understand something. Don't you make your choices based upon somebody else's failure, somebody else's decision, somebody else's choice. Every one of us have a single Every one of us have a single destiny as well as a collective destiny, but don't you let anybody else influence your choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I'm about done. I'm down to the last page. With full knowledge. With full knowledge of the penalty God said would follow his actions. Adam with eyes wide open, bit into the fruit and stepped into his place as the very first type of Christ. Watch now. He became sin and was subject to death for his bride. That triggered the Lord's sacrificial process of redemption by blood. I'm not talking about that choice. I'm talking about the choices that each of them made a long time before. Adam, God gave him one job. 
that was to take care of the garden, to dress it. Boy, I wish that was the only job I had because good stuff comes out of that. But he gave him a job to dress the garden. There was a hedge around the garden. And Adam got slack. He made a decision. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to play PS5. But he made the decision. I'm going to skip taking care of the hedge today. How many of you remember what I told you this morning about a grave? It's a rut. Watch. Listen to the listen to the wise man. Listen to what he says. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite. When you get in a spiritual rut and you don't pray when you know you need to pray. You don't read when you know you need to read. You don't worship when you know you need to worship. You're not faithful when you know you need to be faithful. You don't give when you know you need to give. The wise man said, when you dig a pit, what's a pit? It's a grave that's open at both ends. When you dig a pit, it lets the serpent get through the hedge. That serpent would have never gotten in that garden if Adam would have made the right choice to take care of the hedge. Somebody needs to hear me. You better take care of your hedge. You better take care of your protection. The serpent will bite you. Think of David. Very first time he asked his dad about watching the sheep. And his daddy told him of some of the dangers of shepherding. The next day. He picked up a raggedy leather strap and a handful of rocks and he stood on an overturned basket to draw a target on the side of the barn. Choices made a destiny begin to form. A destiny with bears and lions and a giant. A prophet with a horn of oil and a throne because David made a choice to get ready for his destiny. Say, well, Bishop, I don't know if I'm there yet. That's even more of a reason for you right now to be making the right choices. I'm trying to hurry. When I was a boy, I came into this church as a 15-year-old teenager, 16 years old. I went to my pastor, and I said, Pastor, 
I feel like I've got a calling on my life. And he said to me, just pray about it. We'll talk about it later. That was 16. That wasn't enough for me, Elvis. I wanted to do something right then. So instead of making the right choices to move toward my destiny, I made some bad choices. Somebody, I know you've never done that. And so that disrupted my destiny for 10 years. I feel like telling somebody, you're about to be on the brink of making some choices that will determine what happens to you now and what happens to you and your family years from now. I don't know who that's for, but that's what the Holy Ghost quickened into my spirit. You're about to make some choices right now that will determine the destiny of whether or not your children get baptized in Jesus' name, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and become a part of the church. So, well, I don't have any kids. That's even more of a reason to make right choices. Because you're moving towards your destiny. You're just not there yet. Climb up on the basket. Draw a target on the board. Take the sling and practice until God brings you into your destiny. And finally, consider with me Elisha. A humble, hard-working farm boy. He made a decision to take his water break that day on the end of a certain row at a particular corner of the field. And next to an old footpath on which a man of God passed by from time to time. And on his way from here to down yonder, he passes a little farm boy. Options selected. Everybody say, I've been chosen. Options selected. And the genesis of a prophetic career that would be marked by miracles, signs, and wonders. With wisdom and authority unparalleled in Israelite history. A magnificent servant of God. But it was all because he made the right choices. Your choice. Your destiny. I wonder today, who has considered your destiny lately? Who has thought about where you might be headed? Watch. Destinies are not decided either yay or nay by major life-altering decisions, but rather by the insignificant choices 
that we make every day. I need to go back to something just a minute because I think it's very important. Some of us are sitting in this church and we love God. We love the church. We love the ministry. But we also know there's something more to this that we're not doing. We've sat here service after service, year after year, knowing that God has something else in mind for us. But we made the choice to just sit here until Jesus comes. And you've missed your destiny. God has something more in mind for you but you've got to make a choice to get up from where you are and make your move toward the destiny that God has in mind by making day to day choices that will ultimately come to fruition in doing the will of God stand with me When we make a choice today, we are deciding who we will be tomorrow. You got that? Every major decision is colored and flavored. By inconsequential decisions that we've made to this point. Say, well, it's not that important, Bishop. I'm telling you it's important. Your choice. Your destiny. Somebody said this, and it's a tremendous philosophy to live by. Sow a thought, and you reap an act. Sow an act. And you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Somebody in this room tonight needs to ask yourself the question. What choices am I making daily that will further my progress in becoming more Christ-like? Choices about prayer. Choices about devotions. Choices about other Christian disciplines. Do I do it or do I put it off? I got a question for you. Who's on the Lord's side? If you're on the Lord's side, You'll step across before that crevice starts to make its way in the earth and swallows those up 
that chose not to be on the Lord's side. I'm asking this church right now. I'm asking you to make a choice tonight. To make a decision tonight. To say, God, I've made up my mind that whatever I've got to do to usher in what every preacher, prophet, evangelist has been telling me that you were going to do. I made up my mind I'm going to choose that discipline to make that and let that happen in my life. Come on, that's it. Just keep coming. Your choice, your destiny. Only one life. So soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Come on. I'm looking for somebody that will say, I choose. I choose to follow my divine destiny. I choose to discipline myself on a daily basis because I want my destiny to be in sight. Come on, that's it. Just come and lift your hands to the Lord and let God help you right now. In the name of Jesus.